This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. But I want to talk to you this morning about something that really coincides with what happened today. When Bonnie was putting up all those pictures, or when the video and audio team was putting up all those pictures about our first, our first, our first, our first. First is very important in the kingdom of God. Anytime you have a first, I'll tell you what, when you dedicate it to the Lord, the Bible says if the first is blessed, the rest is blessed. So put the scripture up. I'm going to talk to you about first fruits this morning. But put my first scripture up. It comes out of the book of Romans, the 11th chapter, the 16th verse. It says, for if the first or the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are all the branches. I'll tell you what, it's very important that whatever the root is, is sanctified, it's blessed, and that it's set apart for God. Whether that's in business, or whether that's in life, or whether that's in relationship, but I'll tell you what, that root has to be secure. And the enemy comes against the root, he comes against the branches, but if the root is secure, the branches will remain. If the first is blessed, the rest will remain. And that's why the power of first fruits is so important. First fruits has a lot to do with our finances because we live in a financial world. When God first taught this, we lived in an agricultural world. So in an agricultural world, God had patterns and principles for first fruits. Those patterns and principles were very, very important in that agricultural world. In fact, God commanded something for all believers in that time. And I'd like you to turn to your Bibles, and maybe you should actually look in your physical Bible today and look at the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter. And we're going to start with verse 14 this morning. Exodus 23 and verse 14. By the way, uh, I wrote a book about this. It's called First Fruits. And uh, I'm going to recommend that you uh, go purchase this book. It's about 150 pages long. That's a reduction from, from about 400 pages of, of uh, research. So we were able to condense 400 pages of research into 150 pages. Uh, I don't say it's the greatest work, but I do say that the salient principles can be found inside that book. And I'm going to teach you one of those principles today, which is the crux of first fruits. First of all, when God talked to me about first fruits, I first of all taught it as the tithe. I thought, well, first fruits is the first. Give God the first, and I thought the first 10%. The first is the tithe. And so I always, early days I taught, you know, when you tithe, you give the first of your income, the first of your money. And uh, then one day I read the Bible. It's amazing how if you read the Bible, God speaks to you. And as I was reading the Bible, it says, bring in your tithes, big word, and your first fruits. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Bring your tithes and your first fruits? That means that tithes are different than first fruits. I thought, that's amazing. So that began the journey. I began studying. I began delving into it. I made it my uh, purpose for about a year and a half to just study this whole topic. I looked up every scripture on first fruits. I looked up every topic, every, every scripture on tithing. And I began to find out that there's five ways that we give. We give First of all, through offerings, then through tithes, through first fruits, 
through alms and sacrificially. Those are the five ways God accepts offerings. That's the five ways that we can give. And so if you've never given a sacrificial offering, it's coming. God always requires us to give sacrificially. And those are those times when God scares the heck out of you. It's, and it's really cost you something. Uh, I saw many people when we built this building, they gave sacrificially. They gave things that they couldn't afford. But they made a huge sacrifice. But I've also seen God reward that sacrifice. Uh, I remember the first time God told me to give $100. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Back then, that was a lot of money. I thought, huh? A hundred. A hundred, that's a lot of money. Then I'll never forget when he told me to give the first thousand. Oh, that was impossible. Then the first 10,000. Now that was, I mean, and then I had the biggest shaking year of my life and I gave a hundred thousand. Well, I believe I'll be able to do a million before long. I made a promise that I would be the biggest giver in the church. Now I have not that yet because we've had people that have given one lump sum of a million dollars, another, I think two million. But I'm catching them. I'm catching them because I'm consistently, consistently, I, I'm not a one big shot giver. I've given a few big gifts, but I'm a consistent giver. And I give sacrificially. I give as the spirit prompts. I give alms. But I'm faithful in my tithes. I'm faithful in my offerings. And I'm faithful in my first fruits. So today I want to talk to you about first fruits. Okay? And so if you put that scripture back up to 14th chapter, Pastors love this verse. I mean, we preach the heck out of this. It says, you shall keep a feast unto me three times in a year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Now, we still keep these feasts. We honor the feasts of God. These are the feasts of God. These are not Jewish feasts. Some say these are the Jewish feasts. These are not Jewish. These are the feasts of God. God says, these are my feasts, and he tells all of his people to keep them. By the way, these all point to Jesus, either they have pointed to him and, and his coming to the cross, or they point to his coming again. And so that's why we keep the feast. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month, Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. None shall appear before me empty-handed. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering. So there's three feasts. Now, if you understand, there's seven feasts in all together, and they're grouped three, one, and three. And these are very, very important feasts. They, they gather around each other, but the seven feasts are contained in these three times that we gather together. The Feast of Ingathering, which is the end of the year where you've gathered the labors of your field. So the one speaks of an offering. You come at the Passover with an offering. The second speaks of first fruits, which means you take the first ingathering of your crop just after the first ripening. And then later on in the year, you bring in the full tithe of everything you've brought in. It says, three times in a year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not offer any blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land shall thou bring into the house of the Lord your God. So God wants us to bring the first of the first fruits into the land. Now, we love to preach this, and I preach it hard. I want, you to, I want you to get involved in this. I want you to begin to stretch your faith. I want God to give you the, the blessing that comes with it. I promise you I'm not after your money. 
God needs your money. God's house needs the money. We need the money to do what we want to do, to do what God called this ministry to do. But that's not the motivation. That should never be the motivation. In fact, I call to record today that any pastor or any leader who's out after money for themselves is a false prophet, is a false teacher. It's not about how big a car I have or how nice a house I have. It's not about me. It's about the work of the Lord. And so when you have a preacher who's out and he's calling for money and he says, if you give me money, I'll bless you, that is impossible. God says you bring it to the house of God. Now, the man of God benefits. I have to tell you, I benefit. I eat out of the labor of this field. But you couldn't pay me enough for what I do. And if I had to rely on my pastor's salary, I probably wouldn't make it. But God has also equipped the work of my hands and blessed and favored me. Amen? So you must understand something, that this is not a money-making scheme. The church is not a money-making scheme. And for those who go and they think that their money given to a man of God is a magic wand, this is not a magic wand. These are principles and patterns that God has set forth from the beginning of time. And these patterns and these principles work, not because they're magic, but because they're foundational to the way that God has created the earth. And they're foundational to seed time and harvest, and they can't change. And as much as I like to talk about the giving side of it, the, 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 what, what I would love you, and why I would love you to give, and why tithing is so important, Somebody says, oh, tithing is Old Testament. No, tithing came with Abraham. Tithing came, in fact, all throughout the scriptures. And even Jesus spoke about, he says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, you tithe the mint and the cumin. And he says, you, you give down to the nth degree and your tithing is, but you forget the more powerful things. You forget the important things, righteousness and peace and joy. He says, you're forgetting the things that are really important. He says, you should not neglect the tithe, he says, but you should do the others as more important. Let me tell you something. The tithe is never to be neglected. The tithe is part of our worship. Yeah. Our tithe is our reliance on God. Our first fruit is our faith that, hey, if I give God the very first and the very best, he'll protect the rest. He'll bless the rest. He'll cause something to happen that will stand me in good stead. Boy, let me tell you something, I've watched this happen, and my favorite thing is when I have to pray with people, and they bring me their first fruit, and then I see what happens in their lives. I, 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 and we both, all of us stand back just in awe. It has nothing to do with me, other than I'm the point of contact, the point of agreement, and I teach it strongly. I am not some magic witch doctor. I don't wave the magic wand. I, my faith is powerful. I have strong faith, and I believe that. But it has very little to do. It has to do with your faith. It has to do with your God. It has to do with you obeying the word of God, the principles of God. And when you do so, that's what I want to preach this morning. Because we preach the first half so strongly. How about the second half? Pick up verse 20 with me. Verse 20 with me. There, okay. Here's what God says he'll do for those who are faithful with their tithes, their offering you their first fruits. He says, behold, I'll send an angel to go before you. How many of you know you have angels? Well, that's six of you. How, how about the rest of you? Did you know you have angels assigned to you? The Bible says the angels of the Lord, angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. 
How many of you, some of you need more than one angel, I can tell you, just by the way you live. <laughs> the angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. He says he'll do something for those who are faithful with, and present themselves. That's why I think it's important that we present them, ourselves in church. You know, so many people think, oh, I'll just do online. No, you can't do church online. I'm sorry. That's, that's a fallacy. You can't just sit there in your, on your TV. Now, hey, that's, that's a stopgap. And if you're sitting at home and you're watching this at home, that's fine. Get out of your rusty, get off your rusty dusty, get out of your bed, get dressed in the morning and come and be with the people of God. Because it's here that we fellowship. It's here that we get together. It's here that we offend one another. How many of you have never been offended in church? You've never been offended in church? Never? You liar. You lie. How many of you have never? No, nobody's, we've all been offended in church. And if you've never been offended in church, come up after the service and I'll offend you personally, okay? <laughs> God brings us together. The very reason we come together is because we are all so different. We are having to rub the, the, the rough edges off and, and learn to work through things. You know, I was talking to somebody about marriage the other day, and they were telling me, in fact, I was listening to John Gottman, and Dr. John Gottman said this in his, about marriage. He said that uh, 9% of marriage is agreement. He says 91% of marriages are dis in disagreement. He says that's the best marriages. He says what makes a great marriage isn't the fact that you disagree. He says it's the fact that you've committed yourself to work out and figure out how to deal with conflict. Well, let me tell you something. That's exactly what church is. Church isn't that we're not going to disagree. Church isn't that we're not going to offend each other. Church isn't that we're not going to sin against each other. Church isn't that we're not going to fail each other. Church is the fact that we've committed to each other to work it out. Amen. To figure out how, how do I work out my conflicts? How do I face my brother? How do I take responsibility? How do I mature? How do I grow up? Boy, and I'll tell you what, so many people, they get a little offended and then they're gone. Phew. The church goes through a way, the church, how many of you know that the church goes through cycles? We've been through a few. Some of them I created, some of them God created. Some of them the press created. Some of them you created. Some of them were the devil attacking us directly. Some of them were just stupidity. Some of them were just immaturity. But the church goes through these things. Now, can you stay the course? That's the question. Did God call you to the church? Did God call you to be a member of the church? Can you stay the course? Can you work through it? If you can't, that's okay. We don't mind you going to another church, but do that respectfully. Don't divide the church. Don't split the church. Don't gossip. Just say, hey, listen, I'm going to go now. Okay, God, just come and tell me. Shake my hand. Say, Pastor, I love you. And you're always welcome home. I mean, look, the church isn't the perfect place. We're not like your marriage. We're not like your family. <laughs> see, there's only a few people, few perfect people left in the world. I mean, I see six or seven of you here, and sometimes I wonder about you. But he says this. He says, I'll send an angel, my angel. I actually believe that he sends the angels he's assigned to you to go before you to keep you in the way, to bring you to the place that he prepared for you. Now, I hope you're on the journey correctly. 
Because I talk to a lot of people and they're on a journey and I say, are you going where God wants you to go or are you going where you want to go? Are you going to the place God has prepared for you or are you going where you think you want to go? I meet a lot of people in life and I've worked with a lot of you and I've worked with a lot of so-called successful people and they are successful for a season until they find out that they got what they wanted but they didn't want what they got. Let me tell you something. The world is glitzy and glittery. Propaganda, which is there's a lot of that around today, is glitzy and glittery. Truth takes a long time to come out, but when it comes out, it's solid as a rock. You can build your house on it. When God begins to move, let me tell you something. When you have the purpose of God, when, he, when you're going to the place that God prepared for you, oh, ho, ho, let me tell you something. There's a confidence and a boldness and a strength. I'll tell you a little secret about in business. If what you're building is only going to last as long as you live, it wasn't what God prepared for you. If your business doesn't leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children, God didn't do that. If you can't tell your children what you do in your business, you're a thief. And you're a liar. And there's no blessing in it. And you can call yourself Christian all day long, but it's, you're a liar. You're a thief. And you're not building anything that'll last. And when you die, you're going to probably play the, the, the cultural thing and say, I put you through school. You must take care of me now. Let me tell you something. That is a lie. Children are not supposed to take care of their parents. Oh, we do so not because I have to, because I respect you and I honor you. But if you had parented correctly, you would be leaving an inheritance for me and my children. If you had gone where God prepared for you, if you'd honored God, you wouldn't have the problems you have today. If our nation had honored God, we wouldn't be in the condition we're in today. But because of wicked men and men of corruption, men that do not honor God, they have no plan for a future or a hope. Only lining their own pockets. And they think they're wealthy, but they're not. They're bankrupt. And the inheritance that they have stolen will cause their children to perish. It'll not last. Godly inheritance is what God wants. The Bible says that we're to beware of our angels Beware, beware of your angels. Don't, don't play with this. By the way, you and I can't command angels. There's lots of teaching out there that says, tell your angel to do something. No, 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 no. Angels are angels and we are humans. We don't command angels. Angels do our beck and call. They do what we, what we speak into the earth. They, they react to that, but they don't do it because we tell them to. They do it because they're assigned to be ministers unto the heirs of salvation. Put the scripture back up. So it says this, it says, beware of your angel and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, here's what I love. Now this is for the faithful person who ties. He says, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. 
I'll be an enemy to your enemies. And I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. My angel will go before you. He'll bring you unto the, and, and we don't go to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. We may have the electric lights. I'm not sure. He says, but I will cut them off. What he's saying is, I'll cut off your enemies. I'll fight your battles. He says, I'll stand with you. You will not bow down to their gods. You don't serve them. That means you can't be involved in witchcraft and serve God. You can't be serving your ancestors and serving God. You can't be bowing down to Mbuya Nahanda downtown and then come on Sunday and bow down to Almighty God. Maybe I should lose my notes more often. <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't. He says, I'll cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods. You shall not serve them. Nor do after their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and he'll bless your water. And I'll take sickness from the midst of these. There are sick people in the church today because they're in compromise. They're not honoring God with their finances. They're still worshiping their idols, and then they want God to heal them. But there's a prophet, don't worry, there's a prophet somewhere that'll take your money, rub your head, give you a bottle of oil, and you'll still be sick. Or you may get a lying sign and wonder, but what God wants is a relationship that builds forever. So here's what God tells us. He'll, he goes on to talk about later in, the, in that chapter. He says, I will send the hornet into the camp of those who cause confusion in your camp, and I'll cause confusion in their camp. He says, I'll let the boundary lines fall for you in favorable places. See, see, God's interested in every facet of your life, but he wants to be God. He wants to honor you as you honor him. It requires faith for you to honor God. You know, it requires faith for you to take the first of your crop and give it to the kingdom of God. It's a little bit easier at the end of your crop because you can kind of measure and say, yeah, we can give this much. No, he says, you give me the very, very first. You give me the very, very best. You go into that harvest field and you take off the first swath and you bring it as a wave offering to the priest. He says, then at the end of the season, bring your tithe. 10% of your increase. Now that varies in businesses, that varies in personal lives. You're, for personal lives, it's easy. It's just 10% of any increase you have. In a business, it's a little bit differently. And uh, I'm gonna start teaching in the VBF because some of your businesses are run so poorly, so illegitimately, so ungodly, that it's very hard for God to bless that business. If you want your business blessed, if you really want God in your business, then there are certain things that you must bring to pass. And you can't tithe out of your net. Sometimes you can't even tithe out of the gross. You have to tithe after everything's been paid. And I want to show you how to do that so that your business can be blessed. But if you honor God with your business, if you honor God in your life, if you honor God with your finances, if you honor God with your very life, he will honor you. And none of you should be lacking. All of you should be blessed and prosperous. Amen. Amen? Amen? So, two more things about firsts. 
when you think about first and the first seed, you know, if you have an orange, you can count how many seeds there are in an orange. But you can't count how many oranges there are in a seed. That's the principle that God works on. He says, I take the first. He says, but I'll multiply it. I'll, 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 I'll bless it. And if the first is blessed, the rest will be blessed. Could you imagine being a farmer and you cut off the first and you know that God's going to protect your crop from the blight, from the mildew, from the hailstorm, from bad storms, and you know you're going to get your full harvest just because you gave the first? He says, if the first is blessed, the rest is blessed. Can you imagine going into an interview and you've already given your first fruit and you know that you're up for a promotion, but you're confident that because I've given the first that God will step, my steps are ordered by the Lord and he'll, he'll, if I humble myself, he'll exalt me. He'll lift me up. Can you imagine that? You know how confident you can be? You know how confident you can be when you look a boss across the table and you, you're not afraid of him because he's not your source, God is? talking earlier about the church. I see so many people, they allow Babylon to promote them out of the kingdom. See, if you are in the Babylonic world long enough, if you begin to become successful, you can get to the place that you can be promoted out of the kingdom. Oh, you'll do it through money, through title, through bribery, through corruption. There's, there's many ways that they do it. They, they, they entrap you. The, 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 the world is entrapping you. This world is designed to defile you. I call it the corruption zone. When I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, in the lower climbs of Mount Kilimanjaro, it's actually enjoyable. It's you're down at 1,200 feet. The oxygen levels are high. Then you walk up through the rainforest, and it's it's beautiful. It's vines and branches and ferns and just amazing. Then you get a little higher, and you're up about 4,000 feet. That's about where we are here in Harare, and it's just coming up out of the, the, the you're coming into more of a deciduous type forest. You're coming out of the rainforest, and it's amazing. And then you come up a little bit higher, and you, and you get up to around 10,000 feet, and then it gets real sparse. And it's a little bit more labored because there's not quite as much oxygen at 10,000 feet. Then you have base camp at 12,000 feet. And they tell you you have two hours to sleep, and then they give you a bowl of soup. And I said, I'm more hungry than that. They said, no, you're having a bowl of soup. There's a reason that they give you a bowl of soup. Because you're about to do an eight-hour ascent from 12,000 feet to 20,000 feet. What they don't tell you is that there's no oxygen. As you go, the higher you go, there's less and less oxygen. What they also don't tell you is that somewhere on that journey, you are going to pull off that path somewhere, and you're going to have diarrhea, and you're going to vomit. Or both. One or the other, or both. They don't tell you that that's the filthiest mountain in the whole world. The 200,000 people 
make that ascent every year and 200,000 people go off that path. The minute you go off that path, it's like you can't believe how filthy it is. It's the corruption zone. But you can't help yourself because at that level, your body is flushing itself of any toxin so that you can make it to the top. Only 60% of people that start the climb finish it. 40% fail. They get taken out by altitude. So I did my journey off the path and back on. All of our team did. Eight hours later. And by the way, you don't walk very fast. You walk about this pace. Take about five steps. Catch your breath. Because there's no oxygen. You can't prepare for this. You can't prepare for the, well, you can prepare for the corruption zone in business. Because you surround yourself with people. The Bible says that there's life in the cluster. In the cluster. That's why church is so important. You have other people you're doing life with. And in the cluster, there's life. When you're removed from the cluster, when the grape is removed from the cluster of grapes, it becomes a raisin. And I've watched many, many people. Oh, they have the money. They're rolling. They're but guess what? They get removed from the cluster. And today... They have the house, they have the car, the small house, small houses. They travel. Now they've allowed alcohol into their lives. They're drinking, maybe a little bit of drugs, a little bit of, and, 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 and they dry up. Oh, but to the world, they're successful. No, they're in the corruption zone. They're in the corruption zone. I watched many of my own businessmen, people that I helped get off the ground. and They got to a point where, hey, they made it through the rainforest. And then they didn't need a pastor anymore because, well, they're bigger than the pastor. They know better than a pastor. But they used to call me and rely on the word of a man of God. Now, don't worry, pastor. And they get their own prophets. They get guys that come into their offices and, ooh, God gave them a dream and a vision. But that guy's really not their pastor. He's just looking for a handout, a little gift. There's hundreds of those guys running around and they have a word for everybody. And I'm not saying the word isn't even accurate sometimes. But guess what? You remove yourself from the very cluster that God puts you in. Before long, you dry up. Your business dries up because you weren't ready for the corruption zone. That's why it's so important that we honor God and we know where we're planted. We know where God wants us and, and we work with each other. We make ourselves transparent. That's why I love Be That Man. That's why I love Roots because we have real relationships being built Amen. where we can be accountable and we can say, hey, I'm, I'm in trouble. But the flip side of that is we can see the angels working on your behalf. We can see the boundary lines falling for you in good places. You can get through this place. And just this whole thing about the corruption zone. If you're in a place where the boss is saying, hey, listen, I got a deal for you. Look, you're gonna come out to the farm this weekend and we're gonna, I'm gonna meet, you're gonna meet some very powerful people. Be careful. Because usually on the heels of that is, hey, look, we wanna promote you, but you're just gonna have to do this. It usually requires some form of small, just small compromise, just 
overlook that. Just overlook that. Look, I know that we stole money, but you're the accountant. If you just overlook that this time, hey, there's the, you'll get a big promotion here. The next time, it's a little bit bigger. It's like, hey, you overlooked that. We have you, we have you on record. You are the guy on record. Now you got to do this. Well, we'll pay you for it, but you got to do this. Before long, you have lost your way. This happens with promotions. This happens with all kinds of things. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, you may want to go to another church after this message because I'm telling you the truth. But what I want you to understand is that if you'll walk with God, if you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll build real relationships, there's a place that even when you go through tough times, hard times, even when it looks like I can't make it up this mountain, one day you'll stand on the summit and you will not have compromised. You'll be able to look any man in the eye and God will be able to bless you. You'll know you're a blessed man. That's why I like to teach you about being faithful to God. Faithful with your tithes, your offerings in the house of God. Faithful with your first fruits in the house of God. Taking care of the poor, giving alms. And then sacrificially, when God speaks to you, make that sacrificial gift. It makes all the difference in the world. Father, I pray for these here under the sound of my voice, those that are listening on the video stream. Father, I pray for them right now. I pray that, Father, these words would convict them of sin, convict them of righteousness, and convict them of judgment. Father, let your Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would cause our church to be a church that experiences the true blessing of God. And Father, for those that have corrupted themselves, for those that have fallen or have failed, Father, we thank you that there's a path of redemption. That, Father, you can turn it around. That, Father, you can redeem. Father, either they did it through ignorance or they did it through, well, even knowingly, Father. Sometimes we willfully sin against you. Sometimes it's iniquity. But, Father, you gave us the tools. You gave us the redemption in Christ Jesus to break off sin, transgression, and iniquity. Now, Father, bless us, I pray, this day. Bless each listener in Jesus' name. If you're listening on video, on the television right now, there's a phone number on that screen. Phone it. You can get help. You can find out. You can be taught. And you can find a way to a celebration church. And if there's not one in your area, another great church that teaches the Bible as the Word of God. Find a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church and find yourself in it so you're in the cluster. We love you. We're going to let you go. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.